Hey, what's going on, guys? You are listening to Talk 4, the quickfire podcast where we ask four great questions to unique and interesting people. Up here today on Talk 4 is your host, Louis Scoopian. That's me. And our guest for today, Steve Sims, who will be in the fire line for today's questions. Steve, please introduce yourself and give us a quick rundown of what you do before I shoot some questions. Wow. Um, I am a aggravated creative disruptor. Uh, left school at the age of 15 onto a building site. Didn't like it. So... Went through a bunch of careers that uh, I failed at to become launching the world's first experiential concierge. What I'm known for is working with everyone from Elon Musk, Sir Elton John, Richard Branson, closing down uh, museums, uh, getting people on stage with rock stars. Forbes called me the real life Wizard of Oz. I launched a book called Bluefish in the Art of Making Things Happen. And now I teach, train and coach people to go for stupid and the amazing and for what really will create impact what a portfolio <laughs> can i just say i love how you just rafted it off as well it's just fantastic <laughs> isn't it <laughs> it's not been it's not been uh, too shabby i have to admit no no it's, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on i'm very excited to ask a few questions and see what you have to say about some some cool subjects so if you're ready okay. let's cr- let's crack on with question number one i reckon let's do it right so for my first question why do people stop growing? So for people at a plateau or stuck at a certain level in their career or their business or their sport, in your opinion, why are people in that position? How can they unlock the next level of their journey or skill, whatever it may be in? Most of the time I find that successful people don't care if you laugh at them. Those people that restrict their growth do. We're in a society where we even have programs on TV where people literally laugh at people falling over, walking into walls. You know, you have all of these kind of gotcha videos where it's good to point, stare and laugh at people. If you get to a certain point, you think, oh, I'd like to do this for my business, but I'm a little bit scared of people laughing at my failure. Then you're, you're wrong. That's where you go wrong. Don't worry about what other people think. They're all jealous of you in any case. So start going for things that people would laugh at you because as Elon Musk always said, he always laughed at you just before they applaud. Ooh, what an answer. And I tell you what, we've got a question coming up a bit later that is very directly related to what you just said as well. So okay. I think uh, let's get cracking on to number two because um, I can't wait to hear what you have to say about this. So... You do a lot of speaking live in front of crowds, in front of very influential people and obviously on your podcast too. My question is, how do you manage to do that so well? How can you train for that, improve? And how can people who are crowd shy break through the initial mental barriers of speaking to a lot of people at once and deliver obviously great well-spoken performances? Great question. So let's break it down into two. Never get on a stage unless it can impact somebody else. There's no point. There's a lot of people that still go on stage now and it makes it boggles me. And all they want to do is talk about themselves, how wonderful they are, how rich they are. That does not help the community. So today we want to see people on stage that can help people in the crowd, help the audience. So the first thing is, unless you've got a message that helps someone else, don't even think about going on stage. The second thing is the first time you step foot on stage, you're going to be shit. (laughs) <laughs> now, I paused there because as soon as you realize that, that you're not going to be brilliant, you're not going to be perfect, you'll do it. And there's an old saying from a friend of mine, Ari Mizell, get going, then get good. I'm pretty damn good on stage now. I've spoken at you know, thousands of places all over the place. Um, 
But I guarantee you, if I went back to some of my first speeches, and I've seen some of my first speeches, and you go, oh, my God, did I really say it? Did I really pause there? Oh, I lost the crowd there. But unless you get going, and unless you get on that stage to benefit the crowd, then you're not going to be given chance number two. And it's chance number two, three, four, five, where you start getting better. I did a, a speech, and I've been speaking for like 10 years now. I did a speech with a client of mine that's been a client with me for about eight years. So he was pretty early on in my growth, and he was at an event that I spoke at probably about two months ago in San Diego, uh, an event called Secret Knock with Greg Reed. And I spoke there, and he came back to me, and he went, I have never heard you deliver so well. So you mm. get better only by repetition. Understand that the first time you're going to do anything is going to be shit. And if you focus on the benefit of the attendees, you stop worrying about how you look. If you get on stage, you don't really care if your hair's done, but you focus on giving the best content in the planet, they'll invite you back. Brilliant stuff. And just out of pure curiosity for myself alone as well, um, do you still get nervous when you, when you go onto stage and stuff? Or, or are you so kind of grooved into your process and grooved into your you know, your speech and everything that comes as a part of it, that you don't even need to think about nerves anymore. You just know you're going to perform and you can do it every time without having to think about it almost. Do you know, they, they actually say that nerves and excitement create the same tendencies within your body. So um, I would say that I have a nervous excitement in every single speech. If I go to an event and I'm not excited, I'm not nervous, then I shouldn't be on stage. But mm. quite honestly, every time I go, I, I, I'm getting in a ring. I'm getting on a racetrack. You know, I'm getting, I'm, I'm prepared. I'm excited. I'm exhilarated. And those can often be confused with the words nervous. Yeah. Nervous is when your whole body's tingling. Your whole body's alive. You're focused. You can feel, hear, taste, everything. You are at edge. And that's a brilliant position to be able to go onto a stage with. Mm. I feel that a lot in sports as well, to be honest, because I play tennis. Same here. Yeah, it's. Yeah. I, I think you know, it's, some people, you know, we're all built slightly differently, aren't we? But me, me personally, you know, there's always going to be a bit of even nerves or excitement. They're hard to differentiate between the two, aren't they? But I suppose as you get more into the groove of things, you trust your, you trust yourself, you trust your skill, and you just get more comfortable. I think comfortable is probably the word to use to describe that experience part of it, isn't it? So when you go more through the the motions and you you do a few of these speeches or you talk to people you play tennis matches in my instance you start to just find comfort in you know your ability and your skill and your process and then it doesn't change the nerves necessarily but you just perform better and it's just experience isn't it well that's the whole point we want to be better so i don't want to deliver a speech as good as i did last time i want to provide one better so mm. as any kind of sportsman athlete talent skill worker whatever you want to be better and it's those nerves and excitement that demands more of you absolutely so for question number three this one oh, it's gonna be good <laughs> I've always felt that a lot of people have at times actively avoided taking actions and ideas that are sometimes very good, perhaps because they would be judged at or laughed at for doing it. What do you feel is the root cause of this in today's society? And how would you advise people to break those barriers down? Well, there are more settlers than there are uh, aggravators. And there are more people... If you're, if you're in a pub and you want to kind of like think of doing a business and you start telling your mates about this business, you'll get a few of them that'd be like, good luck to you, go for it. 
You'll also get more going, oh, you could never do that. That's ridiculous. You know, you get your head up your backside and they will <laughs> ridicule you. And again, we listen to them. I've always said, change the room you're in. I've got friends around me now. And when I speak to them, I go, hey, I want to do this for business. And they will look at me and they will go, why? Why do you think you are credible enough to be able to pull this off? And what impact are you trying to create? Now, those are great questions. They make me second guess myself, but they're great questions. They're not cheerleaders. They're not going, yeah, Steve, you can do it because we don't care about those. They're also not there laughing at me because, again, they're derogatory to you. So you want people to challenge your ideas. And if you've got people around you laughing whenever you come up with an idea, you're surrounding yourself with the wrong people. Mm, very true. And just to dive into this a little bit more as well, um, I've always personally felt myself that the advice available on the internet for this and the posts and quotes I see floating around regularly on Instagram aren't actually that effective for me at least. So I wanted to ask as well, do you have any ideas for like exercises, practices or actual physical things to do that would make this better? So something you could say to yourself or something you can do daily that's going to improve that. I mean, me personally, I've always found that counting down in my head before doing something going three two one and then never breaking the rule always going to go and do it that's helped me a bit but do you have anything like that or any kind of checks in your you know mentality that you go towards yeah what's your take on it well you've got to break the habit first of all and the habit is the one that you've created by listening to the people that you shouldn't um mm. i like listening to podcasts i like reading books i like being part of facebook community i have a facebook group called an entrepreneur's advantage with steve sims and it's surrounded by people that are questioning each other, challenging each other, talking about different things. Change the room you're in. If you're in a bunch of, if you're in a room with a bunch of people that are going to laugh and mock your ideas, you're never going to grow. If you're in a room where people go, hang on a minute, is that the biggest goal you're going for? Surely you should go for it. That's the room you need to be in. So you talk about, you know, people being scared and how they get out of the feeling of being laughed at. I don't care if you laugh at me. I'm still a dimwit. I'm still a, a guy that can't spell very well, but I've got the best-selling book out and I ride any motorcycle I want and I love live up in the hills in, in Los Angeles. My life's good. Laugh away, fella, because I don't give a shit. Mm, stick to your guns, eh? You know what you're good at. And stick to that. Yeah. I like it. So for question number four now, you're a person who has met many, many very powerful and successful people, but you've also met, I'm sure, many unsuccessful people too. So my question is, have you noticed anything different in the personalities of these successful versus the unsuccessful? And did you feel anything that would stand out different when talking to them? Do you know, it's very funny that you actually asked that question because I actually did a little posting on my Instagram page today on how I successful... Oh, is that what is that what you're going to make the question? I saw it. I saw it. It's a great little post that. <laughs> well, I had a I had a client of mine and, and and he was doing really, really well. And then we he said to me, Oh, I don't need I don't I don't need coaching anymore. I'm gonna take it from here and I'll come back to you in a year's time. And I spoke to him literally on the way back from a racetrack about a week ago. And I said, How are you doing? He went, I went broke. And I went, Hello, did you go broke? You were doing so well. And then when we got talking into it, it was the classic. The difference between successful entrepreneurs and non-successful entrepreneurs is their ability to recognize what they're good at as equally as focused as to recognize what they're not. 
Most entrepreneurs, they start being successful in whatever they do, whether it be building cabinets, developing software, you know, writing books, whatever it is. And then all of a sudden that success means they have to start doing the marketing, the branding, the web design, the accounting, the invoicing, the bookkeeping, and all elements that they are not. The first thing you've got to do is itemize your skills, itemize the workload, and hire, rent people on a per-project basis to handle what you're not good at so you can go back to your unicorn. But that's the big difference. Elon Musk knew that there was a whole bunch of stuff that he couldn't do. Hell, probably the biggest example in the planet is Steve Jobs could not write an element of code, not one single freaking line of it. But that didn't stop him building the biggest computing brand and culture in the planet because he knew what it wanted to do. How we got to doing it? Hey, that was just details. Hire someone for those. So true. And I, I obviously run my own business as well, and I'm quite an entrepreneurial person. And I've found exactly what you've said to be very true, that when you're sort of starting out and starting up businesses, you sometimes find that as things grow, the demand for you know, customer service and the taxes and the bookkeeping and the shipping and putting a thing or two in a package and sending at the post office it all just clutters your time and then it's very easy to have your strength which for me was instagram growth and promoting on social media which is really what got me to you know a very large scale business and i just find personally that if i dilute my time the actual growth of the business completely just dies away um so yeah you're right it's it's very essential for people to utilize their strengths and keep focused on them and then fill up the gaps around that you know with other people who are who are good at their strengths because in one of my last podcasts we were talking a lot about talents as well and how people have you know their unique roles and talents and skill sets in the business and you know in in the world in general and people are obviously experts and have expertise and I think that people need to follow that and then for people, you know, in charge of businesses, you know, it's good to recognize these kind of traits and these talents and skills and people and then apply them and get them as part of the team, I think. Yeah, yeah, smack on. It's, it's, you've got, it's your biggest flaw um, to start doing shit that you're not good at. Absolutely. <laughs> so true. And, um, you know, there's one more thing I wanted to ask as well, just... Um, considering on the subject right now of it, it's something that's interested me for a while and talking to someone obviously who's spoken to a lot of these, you know, successful people wanted to ask as well. Um, if you could debunk the common theory that money doesn't buy happiness and that rich people are not happy deep down, have you ever found that to be true or is it an excuse people tell themselves to feel better about not being successful? It's an absolute myth to try and give you an excuse to remain poor you know, mm -hmm. people sit there and go, oh, money doesn't make you happy. It's like anything, you know, a, a, too much of anything doesn't make you happy if you're not focused, loving, got friends, got relationships, good brand. You could rob a bank and have billions of dollars and never be able to enter a country for fear of being imprisoned. You're not going to be happy. You've got the money. But the, the focus is what do you do with that wealth? And that's mm -hmm. where you go from money which is usually classed as being rich 
into wealth and success? What do you do with it? Can you take that money and impact schools, impact education, impact growth, look after your family, look after your parents? You start looking after those people with the money that you've built, trust me, you're happy. But if you just sit there counting the dollars and doing nothing with it, i.e. create no impact with it, yeah, you're not going to be happy. But get off that bullshit fence, you know? People say that money can't make you happy. I've got money. I'm freaking happy, but it's what I do with it that makes me happy, not just looking at the bank account. Love it. What an answer. Fantastic stuff. So before we call it a day, it is time for the shameless plug. Steve, please feel free to promote anything you're working on, want people to take a look at, or just something you believe in. Oh, wow. Loads of stuff. Um, Steve D. Sims is my everything so don't forget the d and there's only one m in sims so stevedsims.com is my website steve d sims is my instagram my twitter my facebook it's everywhere um but hey i'm coming to london on the 17th of january so if you want to spend the day with me talking about marketing branding and getting the affluent clients you need rather than the maybe the hassle that you get in um join me for a day in london and you can find details at stevedsims.com under the uh, tab consult AOTC live. I'm coming to London on the 17th of January. I'm excited already. Brilliant. Steve, thank you so much for joining me today for the talk Force show. It has been an absolute pleasure having you on. Well, I, I hope this helps someone. Thank you. I'm sure it will. I'm sure it will. Signing off for now, guys. See you in the next episode. <laughs>